Welcome to Mother Hackers, where we hack the tech industry for women. I'm your host, Michaela Flateau and Aniza Brown. And we have our guest here, Angel Bannon. And we are so excited to talk to her as a subject matter expert in cybersecurity. In addition to that, she is the CISO for the Army Software Factory. This this is honestly someone that Aniza and I have been following for a long time on LinkedIn and have been incredibly impressed with from your time at Kessel now to the Army Software Factory. So we are honestly extremely excited to have you here. You were one of, when when we were putting together Mother Hackers, you were one of the ones at the top of our list that we really, really wanted to get on. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Of course, thank you for having me. So let's just let's just get into it and start asking questions. So we were curious if you wanted to talk to us about any barriers that you experienced getting into the DOD and especially this software centric area, because I mean, I think Anisa and I have both experienced it as women in the DOD and also even further into software, it gets harder and harder. Did you feel like that in any way? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was really hard. Um, it wasn't hard to get into the DOD. I initially started as a contractor uh, so that was fairly easy, you know, resume, pretty blank, straightforward. Um, I think working, being a working mom was hard in the DOD because at the time that I had joined as a contractor, I was still breastfeeding. And so I had to go to my car every day and pump because the base that I worked on didn't have a mother's room. And so I think that that was literally my biggest challenge and one of the biggest barriers starting to work for the government was the lack of accessibility to new moms. Uh, and that was really hard for me. So um, and then like comes with all of the the traditional barriers of I was contractor. A lot of the GSs uh, looked at very differently at me. They talked differently. Uh, and then uh, cybersecurity. So like, of course, uh, it was like, we're going to skip your slides because we don't want to talk security today. So I would say I, I came to a lot of barriers beginning to work for the DOD. But I think the biggest barrier for me that was the hardest to get around was the lack of accessibility uh, to a lactation room. That that honestly, I I follow this page on Facebook called the Airman SNCO NCO page, and there have been so many posts lately of finally now all these bases are starting to put mothers' rooms and also those cool pods that are in airports, putting those there, kind of like showing off this is our mother's room because i i know i definitely did not have that when i i they they made an attempt at they made an attempt at giving a mother's room but it was in the bathroom and i just like i pumped in there once or twice and i um well first off the automatic lights were not routed to that room <laughs> so the lights would turn off and I had no way of turning them back on except to leave the room with all my pumping stuff going on and go wave my hand frantically in front of the automatic light to get it to go on. And then again, it's in the bathroom. So I'm sitting there like, this is my kid's food. You know, I just resorted to pumping in my car because like, what, what am I supposed to do with that situation? Um, I think the unfortunate thing is we, I love the highlights on like the lactation pods that they're now putting out and things like that, but they're only on certain parts of the base. Yeah. So our issue is like, you know, we were working in this massive base with a ton of civilians and you're trying to like run to the one location that has a mother's room 
that was half decent. And you're just like, I'm just not going to make it today. So I guess I'll just like, I'll bring like hump in my car and hope everything goes okay and get to my next meeting on time. But that's always been a huge issue. And it kind of makes it a big barrier for women in, in the industry in general on how do you continue to be like a mom, a leader, an engineer when you have to run into these issues that, you know, typically men don't run into you. And obviously men don't create too. not <laughs> I, I will say though, I really appreciated Anisa because I was on her team when I was pregnant and she made sure I had access to, first off, she gave me an iPad so that I could work while I was pumping and I wasn't tied to my cubicle with my desktop that couldn't move. And then also she let me use her office as my personal lactation room so that I didn't have to go to the bathroom or to my car. And I really, really appreciated that. Um, were there any times that you kind of utilized that experience that you went through and tried to change it for women coming behind you in the future? Yes, I definitely consistently gave the feedback uh, to the leadership. Unfortunately, at the time I was a contractor, so it was not well received. Yeah. Um, and th then I was told to stop uh, asking about it. And unfortunately, a lot of moms that I saw during that time that were in similar situations, we were all just going to our cars. And I'd say like that was probably the biggest barrier because when I worked in biotech, I had no issues with that. I was able to, oh, hello, hold on. I have a Starbucks delivery. Hi, did you just get home from school? Okay, I'll be down in a few minutes, okay? I'm living up. Thank you, kid. Yeah. Annie brought you Starbucks? Yes. That's the best kid in the world. I will say uh, my husband's phenomenal. Theo, could you please close the door? Uh, my husband's phenomenal. Uh, went and picked up the kids today. Uh, we alternate who drops off and picks up uh, so we can coordinate our schedules as he has early meeting, if I have late meetings. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm doing the interview today and with y'all. And he was so excited. He's like, oh, I'll make sure I pick up Starbucks for you. Uh, so... Uh, that that's fantastic. Um, my husband was one of the was one of the people that helped me break down some barriers when I started working for the DoD. Uh, just being a supportive partner and a supportive uh, other male figure that's in cyber, um, being able to be like no, like I would be able to bounce ideas off of him and be like, hey, this. And it was always another guy like this guy told me this and I don't think that's right. What do you think? And he would be like, no, that's 100 percent wrong. You're being treated incorrectly. And having that support and having that voice, uh, I think, really helped me gain my confidence in the DOD um, by having strong men that were around me and cheering me on, uh, especially when I was like, hey, I'm new to this space. Am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? Uh, it was really important to me to be able to have that, to be able to break down the other barriers that I had. Um, and usually like the other barriers that I had was, you know, people not liking cyber. <laughs> so there's that. And then uh, the people, the contracting aspect. Uh, and then I would say um, some people that had very uh, old mindsets of women in the tech force. So Gosh, I know. I'm like, that. <laughs> I know. I just, so I came up in F16 and to go through and even have a conversation where I was allowed to speak was interesting. And then finally I was like, and this is the end. You will hear all of my ideas, good or bad. And I don't care. And it just ended up being like driving, like change from just being the most aggressive person in the room. And I think a lot of times people are like, oh my God, she's like emotional. Like, no, I'm just passionate. And you just won't shut up. 
But isn't it funny because we are labeled as emotional when we are passionate and then a male will be labeled as driven. And so it's now, uh, and it's interesting because um, I, I'm very lucky in my current role to have really supportive male, strong males around me uh, that are of the same age, that have the same point of views, that view the world the same way. And they'll call it out. They'll be like, do not call so-and-so emotional. Uh, because you'd call a man driven. So let's change that language right now. And I don't even have to say anything. Uh, so it's so nice. But even to your point right there, like a male would have been told he was driven. You would be told you're emotional. Yep. And I think it's like, it's interesting to see how things are kind of changing now. Like there's always some ally in the room. Uh, like that's where the DOD, that's where like tech in innovation environments are going, where they're like, no, no inappropriate don't do that again let's start this over but they're willing like allies are willing to call it out and say like that's inappropriate don't do that and i mean my biggest sponsors in my career were men like to general hawkins mr fox i just i've had such amazing men around me but i've also seen the other side of that where i'm just like i don't know how women stick it out in this career you're just like gonna be bashed down when i was in f-16 a lot of men were like when I got pregnant, they're just like, oh my God, we don't know what to do with you. <laughs> like, bring snacks. We don't know. She's going to lose it or something. And I'm just like, I'll take the snacks. But yep, still just an engineer on the team. So, yeah, I was told. Uh, so I had my first son when I worked in biotech and my second son when I was at Kessel Run. And I did encounter uh, men that would start saying, oh, well, we just didn't want to bother you. You're pregnant. And I'm like, how does me growing a human mean that I can't do my job appropriately? And I'm not about to give birth either. Uh, so like, it's fine. And actually, while I was giving birth with my second son, while I was at Kessel Run, uh, in labor, I was still answering emails and passing stuff off to people to make sure because we had an initiative, really wanted to get it pushed through. Like I was literally, my husband was throwing me up and I was pushing to get a little human. And then I'd lay back down with my phone and I was like, um so yeah i've it's it's strange i think that i think the men that have children uh and they have they have already been through it they definitely approach it differently than men that have not um Mm -hmm. because it's a whole new environment so if if you worked with a pregnant woman before you know like hey bringing snacks is nice because She's growing a human. And if we have an hour long meeting uh, and I want a snack, she would probably want a snack too. And that's appreciated. But it's not leave me out of a meeting because I am pregnant. Like that doesn't make sense. So I think there's definitely like a learning curve. And I would say anyone who is listening to us talk right now and watching the podcast, it's like, oh, I don't know how to be an ally or an advocate. And they're wondering, I have a great book for you. And this is not a sponsored post, um, but Allies and Advocates, this is a phenomenal book. And I have uh, secretly mailed this because Amazon's wonderful in the sense that you can like ship something to someone and it doesn't have who sent it to you. I've sent this to you. If you've got it. I love the fact that you send that to people. I think there's like a very important message in I don't need to be in your face but I need you to grow as a leader or I need you to grow as an individual in the DRD and understand that you have a bias or you're there's a part that's failing and you can do so much better yeah I love that. <laughs> um we 
I want to pivot and ask a question. We always like to ask this question because it's very interesting to hear what women have to say about this. Um, what did what did you want to be when you grew up? When you were young, what was your dream job, and how did that transform over time? So uh, I don't think I I didn't have a dream job. Um, I definitely thought that I was so I was raised Buddhist. Uh, and I definitely always had a plan of like, I was going to just live life until 40 and then I was going to go live in a monastery in Tibet. Uh, so I actually, uh, changed that plan. I think I was 27 when I met my husband. Um, and that changed my perspective on life. And so previously I had, uh, I'd always been in tech. I worked help desk, system admin, network admin, kind of worked through different jobs. I was contracting in biotech, uh, got a couple of different contracting jobs, uh, landed one that ended up being full-time, uh, really worked, grew there. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm, I had always done cybersecurity. Uh, I had done a little, um, I was not good at all, uh, like at all, uh, a little red teaming. Um, which is funny because any of the guys that were on my team before would like totally laugh. Uh, but this was like way back in the day, uh, when I was doing that stuff and I made decent money at it. Um, and I always thought like, oh, if I was ever to like not go through with my plan of like moving to Tibet and just living out a spiritual lifestyle that I would probably do computers and probably do cybersecurity. And so I think really, uh, around the age of 27, 26, 27, I really was like, okay, time to change my trajectory and really go into cybersecurity. And I'll revisit my plan of like moving to a monastery when I'm 50 or 60. And I still think that that will probably be the end goal for me. Um, but just right now, like I'm raising two kids. I'm not going to take off and go live in a monastery. So yeah, kind of would be a little harder now. <laughs> yeah, it would. I know it's hard to be like a mom and a leader and in tech, right? It just feel like it's like when I was pregnant, I was always worried that I was going to lose an opportunity. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant and now everything's going to slow down and now one's going to give me opportunities because they're going to be like, well, there was a whole like six weeks there where she wasn't here. Yep. And how silly it was looking back at how small of like throughout my career of the time frame that was and like I just don't feel like that should have even been a thought. And I don't know how you drive that out of people's minds. Like as you talk about like parenting and doing all the things you do. Yeah, I think it's difficult. I mean, I I very much like buy into the universe and like the universe is going to bring me exactly what I need. So for me, when I decided, hey, I think I want to go start working in the DOD, I really feel passionate about the change and about improving our country and kind of that the reason why I started working for the DOD, because I left like a beanbag chair and I left wonderful trips to tropical places and, you know, uh, stocks vesting and large sums of money that would come through for bonuses. Um, it was definitely passion led. And it's been it's been a challenge being a woman in the DOD and being like, OK, where do I want to go with my career? What do I want to do? How do I want to impact change? Uh, because I just don't want to work a regular like nine to five job and not feel like I'm impactful. Um, it's, it's been an interesting journey. It's interesting we say impactful. So I'm definitely impact driven. When I talk about projects that I take on, it's usually like some crazy idea where I'm like, mm, okay, let's try. <laughs> and then we go down this path and I'm like 10, 
weeks into it, I'm just like, I'm drowning, but I'm passionate and I'm feeling like I'm making an impact. So I I completely vibe with that just because impact is everything to me. It's not money. It's not any of the things outside of that. So uh, I I definitely feel that as well. And I um, oftentimes will leave places where I don't feel like I'm making enough of an impact or I feel like, you know, held back from innovating and like having new ideas and things like that. So I definitely feel where you're coming from there. Um, curious, I kind of wanted to pivot, not pivot, but go off of what you said before about cyber and kind of want to talk about, um, obviously on LinkedIn, we see things coming through from the DOD, but I thought it was actually alarming when I was on Instagram where I'm looking at, you know, funny videos and pictures of puppies and stuff that I see that TMZ posted that, you know, there's this general and he says, we're going to go to war with China in 2025. And I, you know, I, I found a copy of the document and read it. And um, I, I know this is something that, but that's been kind of been looming, but I'm curious. I think we three all know that software plays a massive, massive, massive part in this. And I kind of want to talk more about like how you feel about that. Like if you want to share things that you guys are doing, um, I obviously know that DOD, you can't get into any specifics, but I, I just want to drive home about how, how software is so important in these upcoming wars because cyber is where people are attacking now. So that cyber domain, the boundary defense, everything that has to fit in that realm of, you know, integrating software, protecting software, really would get love to get your insight on what you think is the next steps, where is innovation leading in those rounds and how it impacts. So I would say uh, I have not seen the TMZ article. I'm pretty much like a no news person uh, in the sense of like I read a newspaper and I get my news that way. I found that like my mental health is much better not turning on the TV and seeing just tragedy, tragedy, tragedy over and over again. So I usually get, uh, I I get my news, I filter it through my husband, like the important, the, the right off the bat, he reads the news every day, watches the news, like I get it from him. Uh, and then me, I mean, I have two small kids. So like I immediately start thinking of all the disasters that can happen in the world. And so I can't speak on, you know, what TMZ posted or the general, but I'm definitely gonna go look it up afterwards. Um, I would say software is so important. Uh, people often want to couple they don't want to couple software in with software development. They want to have cyber over here. And I think that, you know, what we need to be doing is we need to be investing um, in our high schools, their STEM programs. We need to invest in getting more women into STEM uh, because the software development, if you do software development correctly, cyber is already baked in. Cyber is yep. kind of this layer that just kind of like hangs out that's always there. Um, and as a woman, there's so many times that I have been inside of a room and I'm the only female in the room or I'm the only cyber professional that is female. And so when you find the other cyber females, you're like, oh, let's be friends because uh, we want to support each other. And um, it's interesting. I saw something on Instagram. Uh, I don't know if, if it was Jane Fonda that did like an interview with some other women about that show that they have on Netflix. And they said, you know, when women get together, they face each other and they're like, how can we help? How can we engage? How can we create a friendship? And when men interact with each other, they like look side to side. Um, I think 
I think in where we're going and where we need to be going is we need to make sure that we have more women uh, in tech. We need to make sure that we have more women that are in the cybersecurity fields. I think that the women that are in this field need to be mentoring, uh, which that's a lot to take on, right? Raise it. I'm raising two kids. How do I take on mentoring folks? But I think that's something that we need to come together and continue to do. I can't say whether or not we will be or not be at war with folks. Uh, I think we'd be delusional to think that we're not, we don't always have adversaries or people that want to challenge our beliefs here in the United States. So we always need to be prepared. And so be prepared for the worst, um, but hope for the best. And I think that one thing as women that we can do is make sure that we're supporting each other to grow in this field, to be in this field, uh, to mentor each other, to be out there. So if any woman that's in cyber working in the DOD, you're listening, like, hey, hit me up. Uh, we can be friends um, because I think that we do need to support each other. And we're a crucial part of the workforce that's going to help continue to grow. Uh, you know, in 1950, 1960, where the household incomes were dependent on just the men and the woman stayed home, it's not that way anymore. And uh, we need to make sure that we get more women into these fields and continue to support them in these fields. So I was, um, I'm building up the website for the Rosie Project, which I'm launching this week. What it is, is it uh, enables military spouses to go and get IT service while we provide daycare, food, kind of alleviate any barriers they would have to being successful. And then once, you know, their spouse deploys, they can deploy with them with a lucrative job. So that's one of our initiatives here in Utah. And I was actually looking up Rosie and Rosie the Riveter. And I guess I didn't realize how many people during World War II, uh, how many women who had children ended up leaving the house to go and fill a void for, you know, a wartime as men went to war, but that they would actually help each other out. So they would help each other with daycare. They would help each other with laundry. And they just became this like this full ecosystem of parenting and, you know, driving innovation and kind of filling that need. But when the husbands came back and the war started to end, the intention was to send them back home and no one wanted to go. Yeah. They're like, we can't not, no, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. And so it's just like, I feel like it's so empowering to hear like, you know, not having your spouse there and you have kids and you're going to work. And then on top of it, you have this community that came together. And it's kind of like what you're talking about, facing each other, identifying ways of helping each other and what we can do to like really push the boundaries of where to go next. And without that, without the removal of barriers, I don't know how that would have been successful. So I think that's really, really neat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Kudos to you. I think you're doing a really good job right now with the Rosie um, network or project to remove those barriers because that's something that's really tough for military spouses is solidifying a job and then in three to four years having to move and people will see on your you your resume like where you live and how many places you've been and they said, oh, I can count on you leaving in two to like two to three years. So I'm not going to hire you. And I, I, I don't think that women understand how awesome the tech community is and having a tech job and being able to work from home. And also pay is extremely great too. Honestly, I think like being here working in tech, I'm like, this is amazing for families. I think it's incredibly flexible. And I think 
it really hit home. I don't think I would have like moved so far gone. And I'm not a military spouse, but I know a ton of military spouses who are affected by some of um, maybe the missteps of not integrating them or seeing them as the main support system for our airmen. And I was at a, a legislative lunch and, and I remember talking about how we need to get more military spouses into you know, software, IT, whatever, we need to do it. And how are we going to do it? And this legislator looked at me and says, how do we pay women to stay at home and watch their children? And I was like, I think you're missing the point. And he's like, well, you know, he, he, well, you know, we have like all of these, like we take so many certifications across like the nation. And I'm like, what certifications do you accept? He's like, well, we accept hairdressers. And I'm like, okay. So they have to like regrow their like skill set every time they move. And that's what you're like, you are hanging your hat on that. Like, we got to be better. Like, and I have no problem saying, like, you have to be better. I have to be better. Everybody has to be better. Like, we need to do better. Like, not because it's us in the seat, but because we can see it's an issue for somebody else. Yeah, it's, it's definitely disappointing to hear that and that you've had to experience that because that's just like unacceptable behavior. How do you stay home and get, how do, how does my husband stay home and watch my kids? If I could make my husband a stay-at-home dad, he would jump at the opportunity. My husband's amazing. He literally cooks dinner, does the laundry, cleans the house. Like, I don't know how stuff gets done in my house sometimes without my husband. So, like, I am so lucky. And I know that's not the norm for a lot of folks. But, like, how do I make my husband a stay-at-home dad? I obviously can't work in the S job. Um, and so we have a deal. Only one of us can work in the DOD at a time. Uh, and so he's... He's not working in the DOD and uh, his salary is a very much more than mine. Um, but how do how do I get paid the right amount of money that what I'm worth in the DOD and continue to do what I love and make him a stay at home dad? Because he'd love to be. Uh, and anyone who would bring that up to him, he would literally say the same thing. Like, I'll be a stay at home dad. No problem. But then I would have to leave doing what I love to do. And the reason why I am here. Uh, and the reason why I'm working this uh, for that. So it's it's interesting. Uh, it's sad because hairdressers do are reliant on their clientele. You can't have that. But if you're a cybersecurity professional, uh, which I'm not going to drive that home because I want every female to become a cybersecurity professional. We need more of us in the field. So like, I'm just going to leave that there. But like your certs will transfer over and you can get another job. And most of these jobs can be remote. And if you're traveling with your spouse, you're probably living on base, which means you have access to be able to go into a zipper room or work for a unit that has that stuff. And, you know, with modern technology now, they have they have so many things that they can work from home and continue to do their job and serve the nation because a lot of these roles need to be filled that we just cannot fill. And they can train them. I know Amazon has a program, which if you haven't looked into their spouse training, like it's amazing. Um, it's great. So I've definitely referred friends to go take their training and they get their training for free there uh, to be able to get into it. But we just miss the DOD misses a huge chunk of talent that they could work off of. And even if it, it offer different hours, you know what I mean? There's offer hours, flexible work schedules. And that's <laughs> offer part-time like why isn't part-time a thing too because you know a mom that wants to be a stay-at-home mom but also wants to give back to the government wants to work for you know the drive the passion that their husband or partner is working for as well like they want to be a part of it offer part-time flexible work schedules you know have people that want to contribute and be able to train them to contribute i think that 
when they TDY and they move to a new, or not TDY, when they PCS and they're at a new place, like the wife should PCS too, or the, or the husband should PCS and get a job on base offering those skills, offering the tech skills. Yeah. Yes. Um, I hope that someone in the DOD is figuring that out and working it out. Um, I hope. Well, so for me, it's also actually been easier to push from the outside in. So seeing these issues and seeing that they weren't being resolved, I can, as a nonprofit entity, go and find funding with the with the university, ensure that we have this program, launch it on base, do all these things. But when it worked for the DOD, I couldn't do any of that stuff. So it's been nice to kind of push harder from the outside in and the inside up. And I had a lot of great opportunities to shake the cage inside, but it just, yeah, I, I don't know how... I do you need to pick something I I will I frequently post on LinkedIn about stuff regarding um you know the lack of talent in the DoD or the lack of access to talent there are talented individuals in the DoD currently but there's not enough of them and they need more but um I will cite things like pay and flexibility and all of that and I will oftentimes have someone come to me and say you know what the issue is, is that people just aren't patriotic enough anymore. And it's not the pay. And if if they wanted to serve the country, they would. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's the issue. I really don't think so. I There are so many ways that the government could make it easier to, easier access, easier to get a job. Like, for example, not, I'm, I, don't, I don't mean to pick on where I used to work, but USA Jobs is atrocious. And frequently people will apply and they never get an answer back and they just give up. I've heard so many talented individuals tell me I don't even bother applying because it's not like I'm going to hear back. So I just pivoted and went somewhere else. And I'm like, oh, see, there's someone who is patriotic, wants to serve the mission, has the skill set for it, but there's this barrier to even applying and hearing back so like <laughs> so it sounds like we should upskill the spouse workforce and then put them on usa jobs uh because like the reality is like we're all struggling for tech talent right like aren't we all um but it sounds like hey a great opportunity usa jobs might need some help and yeah i agree like it would be nice to just get a rejection email so you know whether or not you got got it or not that would be helpful but it'd be great to know like, hey, this spouse is this this soldier airman or whatever is PCSing to this base. Their spouse also comes like if it was attached to the profile, their spouse also comes with these sets of skills and they could place it in and offer the jobs. I think we can support our, our war fighters a little bit better in that aspect. And I think that it would definitely help. Um, it's primarily the moms that are moving, you know, with the kids and uh Get, getting into the community, getting onto base and being able to actually work and provide that are patriotic because I mean, they're supporting a warfighter. So yeah. they're like, they want to be here. They want to serve. And a lot of them do want to do their part. Um, but again, it goes back to even just being able to have the plex the flexible hours or the part-time jobs because you can work part-time in tech and you can still deliver. Uh, and it that doesn't seem to be a huge thing that's offered for a lot of moms is to be part-time and to be in tech. And I, I see movements, like I see opportunity. I see uh, the Chief Master Sergeant in the Air Force talking about how we need to appreciate our military spouses and now they're the backbone of the DOD. And I see all these things and it's like slow, so slow to actually launch out these really cool initiatives. So 
it's like, it's pretty interesting seeing so many different groups try to come up with a strategy themselves and hope to God that it's adopted by the DRD so that we can help kind of drive that forward and build it out for them with the support. So I do want to hit on some things. I know the DRD does things good. I know they do some pretty innovative things and they're on the cusp of just really after Dr. Roper, after all these initiatives, changing the way they do business and seeing how utilizing small businesses, how utilizing uh, innovative technologies faster than our adversaries is going to get us to better work writing capabilities. What would be an example of something you've seen in the DOD in any of your positions previous to this um, or this current position? And how would you see the DOD uh, kind of navigating innovation as it goes forward? I think um, I think overall in the DOD, what I've seen, uh, particularly that's been very, very helpful, just like as my time as a whole, like working here is uh, the culture change. And like that's happening and it's rapidly happening. And I think it's one of the best things that I've seen since my time starting to work for the DOD until now. Like I started in 2017 and it's 2023 and the reaction to a woman in cyber has drastically changed and it's amazing like I love it so thank you for everyone who supported me on my journey because when I started in the DOD 2017 it was like oh you're in cyber oh you're a woman in cyber like it was like not a thing uh and now it's like oh hey hi you know you're it's not you're a woman in cyber, it's just you do cyber. And that's a cool reaction because my gender doesn't matter. I think that it's, uh, I think a lot of the really great things that it's being done right in the DOD is the culture change. And with that comes the ability for positive feedback. There's getting rid of like the waterfall strategy where it's like, thou shall listen to me because of this. And it's more like, oh, hey, I've got an idea. Tell me, tell me what's going on. And I can say like with all of the teams that I've had, I'll say, hey, I want a sausage made. And like, I want it to be a chicken sausage with apples and peppers and, you know, maybe throw in a little cheese. And how you get there, I am not particularly, I don't particularly care, right? Like, go make the sausage. So the teams are empowered. My folks have always been empowered to figure out their way to do it and engineer the way that they can do it because we have the smartest folks on the team. And I think more of that is like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen in the DOD where people are like, we've just do this because so-and-so told us to go do it or we do it this way because that's how so-and-so wants it versus empowering people to go make change and empower people to be like, okay, we need a chicken sausage. So like, let's go figure out how to make it. And that culture shift has been absolutely amazing. And over the past handful of years that I've been here, that is, I think, the biggest uh, change that I've seen that's going to help us drive forward is more collaboration, more communication, better communication without being able to take it and be like, oh, well, you said it and that's that's what we're doing. People to be able to challenge the norms so that we can find the best solutions. Yeah. Uh, I've worked with contractors that literally um, have provided the most useful feedback on projects or things or efforts. And it's like, yeah, I don't care who pays you, like come together with the table and figure it out. Where in 2017, I was a contractor and it was like, no, I'm sorry, you can't talk in the meeting because you're a contractor. Like, so those shifts, I think is going to help us in our innovation journey is going to help the DOD in general. And I do think that, you know, 
it's because there's certain millennials that are now getting into like work positions that like enforce that. But I'll, I'll throw it to the boomers. Like they have been awesome as well to be able to be like, I don't know, teach me, take me along for the journey. And the most of them come along and they're like, yeah, let's change this. Let's do it because we're delivering the best value uh, to just us as a country to, to the warfighters that we're working for. Uh, and I think that's awesome. I don't know if that answered your question fully. No, that's perfect. Yeah, I, I think in my career in the DOD, I've kind of seen like this transition. So I definitely came from the waterfall side, banging my head against the wall, like, can't do this. This is not great for the warfighter to like deploying agile on up 16 or, you know, adopting F-35's technologies and moving that forward. But talk about Kessel Run and just driving that um, collaborative culture change that just offset everything for me in my career. It was like, once you see, you can never go back and you wanted to be a part of it. And to the point that I did everything I could to bring it here mm-hmm. and <clears throat> to this day, still building out our ecosystem in downtown Ogden, but it's for the betterment of the DRD. And I see the, the grassroots efforts and all of the modernization capabilities. And you just get so pumped to see how far it's come. In the last eight years for me eight years so i just think like yeah the dod is definitely who made me who i am made michaela who she yeah. is and kind of gave us the foundation to really drive innovation and collaboration but also uh shake the cage and know that it's okay to do that i i think i think seeing all those places whether it been platform one kessel run all of those is what really started the innovation journey for honestly a lot of people i hear out that feedback from a lot of people that they were like i just want to innovate but i feel beat down and i don't know how and then all of a sudden they see these examples of it's being done in the air force and look like it's bringing good change and even if those people didn't land at platform one or at kessel run or wherever they still were like 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 how anisa was let's bring that to utah Let's try that here because it can't just be in Boston, right? Like, let's let's try to push it, yeah, as far as we can, and not just in the R and D realm, but the sustainment realm. Because everybody always got that wrong. It's like, oh, sustainment, you're just taking care of bold stuff, and it's like, no, we're modernizing modernizing capability on like old equipment or updating in the radar to something brand new, transitioning off of legacy systems. Yeah, so we just. Oh, sorry. I think part of the coolest part to that is everyone thinks like the cool stuff is only happening at these like innovation pockets as they've been labeled. And it's not like it's happening in sustainment. It's happening in acquisitions. It's happening all over because it's a paradigm shift of how we approach problems. And so, yeah, if you're sustaining stuff, that doesn't mean you're not cool. Like you are just as cool because you can shift how you run your team. You can move to agile. You can do sprint planning. You can have more people involved. And it becomes more collaborative for you to be able to be more successful as a team. Um, and seeing that too is like, you're seeing more women in the workforce and you're seeing more women pop up. And now like having a pregnant woman in the meeting is like not a thing. It's like, hey, she's here. It's amazing. So yeah, I think that some of that, it's been highlighted because of the innovation pockets or the innovation efforts. One of the things that I've seen is there's no place for us to talk in the DOD. Uh, so like T 
Teams is not connected to Teams. And I'm yeah. not going to go into much about the technology because, you know, you never know who's happening. Uh, put my tinfoil hat on. But um, LinkedIn is a place where we're able to connect and engage with each other. But there's so much cool stuff going on. And by posting and seeing what people are doing, we're able to continue to bring that goodness and highlight that goodness that's happening all over the DOD. Like the sustainment folks, like holding down the fort of like stuff that we're still using that we're probably going to use for a significant amount of time is just as important as creating a new piece of shiny software. Uh, it just doesn't get the the glam, you know, yeah. but it is cool. But some of the hardest parts of being a woman in a leadership position is juggling it all and feeling like that. I, I feel like if, if you're succeeding one thing, you feel like you're failing at another and so on and so forth. Do you have any advice on just like time management and how do you do it? What what techniques do you use? So delegation is key. Uh, and it's actually uh, someone that I work with. I said, it's your year of delegation because I, I realized early on that all of my crazy ideas, I do not have enough time to maintain all of them and be able to be like, hey, it's a, you know, a certain amount of time, I got to go because I have kids, they need dinner, they need this, they need that. Uh, and if my husband has a meeting, it's that balance. And uh, I would say, meet with other folks on your team and the other folks that you trust to, whether if you're a leader and you have a vision to share that vision with folks and then to be able to delegate out the tasks. Yeah. I think of myself as a leader. There's like that servant leadership style, like I'm really behind and I want to push everyone forward. My goal is that if I work with you one day, I want to be able to work for you because I don't think of myself as a good leader unless I produce good leaders. And so I want to empower folks to grow and learn. The reality is, is everyone that I work with and everyone that I have worked with, I will not work with you in 20 years. This is not the old, you know, punch into a job. You're there for 20 years, punch out. So I need to make sure that I'm producing good leaders whether it be you never actually want to lead a team, but if even if you're an engineer on a team, you're going to lead an effort as an engineer on the team and you need to be equipped with the appropriate tools to be able to communicate, time management, note taking, all of those things. So I always look at it as I want to empower everyone around me to be able to operate without me. And so again, to that sausage phrase, like, hey, I just want this made. I don't care how you make it. I want you to come up with the best solution. I can give you what I think the best solution is. Uh, and then you tell me if that comes together. And sometimes the projects fail and they come back and they're like, hey, you know what? Your suggestion's really the way we have to go and we're going to go forward with it. And I'm never like, haha, I told you so, because like, I don't know. I have an idea of a concept and a way we can achieve something. I I'm not sure. And I want to surround myself with all of the right people and grow those people. You can teach tech. Uh, 100%. You can teach tech to anyone. You have to surround yourself with people that are willing to take feedback. And when I mean feedback, it's not like, I think you did this wrong. It's like, I think we together maybe didn't approach the problem correctly. And how can we together approach that in a different way and surround yourself with folks like that? So delegation is my number one thing. Surround yourself with great people because you can teach the people a thing, you can send them off to a training. What you can't do is try to battle that personal inner trauma that that person might have that like they need therapy for and you can't help them out in a workspace. So like having good team members that are also good humans will help you all succeed. And that allows you to be able to be like, going on maternity leave, see y'all in three months, leave and come back. 
not feel like your job was threatened, not feel like you were replaced, not feel like that you're looked down upon um, or because you stepped out that you're just not there. Uh, I would say delegation. It's it's such a good tool to have. Even today, I left a meeting. Uh, one of my engineers popped in. We had had our one on one. We had a conversation. I said, hey, I need you to lead this effort for me because I have a thousand things on my plate and I need you to take this thing that's related to you and you need to go do this. And it popped into the meeting. I said, oh, he's here now. I'll see y'all later. Uh, and I was able to leave. And I know that that person has this. I know that that person's going to continue to grow. I know that they want that challenge. Um, and I would say for any mom that's working in the workforce is to find people that you are surrounded with that will support you and then to delegate. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's excellent, excellent, excellent advice. I'm learning... I'm I'm learning now the importance of delegating and it's hard to let go of that trust of, or it's hard to trust and let go and say, okay, here, you take it. And I honestly don't care how you get it done, but like it's yours, you own it now. Um, but there's also, I think it's, I think it's important to empower your team as well. Cause you're showing them like, you're capable. I think you're capable. I'm not going to micromanage me. Like, you got this. Yeah. It's kind of hard. I mean, sometimes you get like individuals who you're like, man, I, I can't mama bird you right now. Like I can't take you and show you how to fly, but I really want you to own this. And that ownership and ensuring that they understand what that means. And I think it's easier nowadays to like have nowadays like I'm ending show you forever. <laughs> but I think it's easier now. I mean, we have tools like Jira, Conf Loans, where we can keep the communication open and we can uh, hand off projects and have somebody not skip a beat or assign tasks and have close out dates. And it just makes it so much easier. So I know like empower your people, let them do it. And I agree with that. I couldn't hammer that harder today you know, they would in the DRD. It's just, it's such a, an amazing, because we hire adults at the end of the day, we're hiring adults and we need to enable them to do their job. Yeah. I think they're, one of the first times I met Aniza when I was joining your team was that corporate transformation summit or whatever you guys hosted. And a quote that's always stuck with me from one of the keynotes was he was, he said, empower your people, like give them the keys to the car and let them drive it like they stole it. Don't, don't take the keys away from them. Don't try to grab the wheel. Let them do it. So <laughs> I think it's important to, uh, to also allow people to know it's safe to fail. Um, so we say fail fast, but I don't think people like they say fail fast and they're like, oh yeah, we like it didn't work. But safe to fail is a term that I like to use because it's really like, you're not going to be punished for trying to do something and it didn't work out. Like I'm going to do stuff and it's not going to work out. And together as a workforce, as humans, we're here to support each other to make this a better place and to provide value to the warfighter. And to moms that are learning or getting into the tech field and feel like they have a safe place to fail, it's so important. It's just, it's so important uh, that we just emphasize psychological safety and, you know, really embody what that means. Sometimes people can weaponize that term or, you know, like take it to the extreme, I'm sure, as we've all seen, um, but creating an environment where we're all safe to fail and to rely on each other is very important. 
that's what I'm giving a talk about at the Cloud Native Security Con in Linux or in Seattle. I'm leaving tomorrow, but I'm giving a talk about psychological safety and cybersecurity and why it's so important to create that safe environment so that people can feel safe to admit mistakes, feel safe to fail. They don't feel like their job is on the line because when you can get past the finger pointing and who done it and get to solutioning faster, it's just better for everybody. What would be your billboard message to everybody that like, this is what you want everyone to take away from this and what you want them to know? I would say, well, one, get into cybersecurity. <laughs> and then, uh, it would be like, get into cybersecurity and hashtag safe to fail. Safe to fail. I love it. I love it too. Perfect. Do you have any last words before we sign off? Um, I would say if there's any moms that are trying to figure out how to get into the tech field, uh, there are a lot of resources out there and to not give up. Like it is so hard being a woman in tech and trying to push through. And if you're a new mom and you're changing careers and your partner is PCSing and you're moving every two to three years, like not to give up. The tech field uh, needs you. They want you. Uh, get into cybersecurity because there's a uh, like there's no one in cybersecurity. Uh, I like to joke because there's so many job openings. You could literally search cybersecurity and they're there. Um, it's okay to be brand new in cybersecurity. No one knows it all. Uh, you're going to have people with 20 years experience that have no idea inside of cybersecurity. I always refer to it as a cheesecake. Uh, it's a variety of cheesecake that you get at the grocery store. Some of it's uh, raspberry cheesecake, key lime cheesecake. It's all cheesecake. It's all cybersecurity, but it's different avenues. So there's uh, risk management. There's red team. There's blue team. There's purple team. There's policy. There's RMF. There's SOC audits. Like there's all different flavors of cybersecurity and to explore those avenues. Because if you are a mom and you're trying to get into a new field, cybersecurity is a field that you will succeed in and you can work in. And that it's okay to be brand new in it because there's a lot of moms that do work in the field that want to see you succeed. And so don't give up. I love it. I love it too. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. This has been absolutely amazing. We are so grateful to you. So thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.